Now, what's your line, sir? My, my line? Yeah, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm on the road a good deal of the time. Sell him. Not a matter of speaking. Services are my supply. Services? Well, uh, what sort of services? Uh, maybe I can throw a little business your way. Yeah, you might have bet. This is the kind of town that can generally use me. Well, what sort of services you supply? I bring back the dead. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you guys enjoyed our um, conversation about the encounter. Uh, that was a interesting and challenging episode to get through, but it was worthy of watching because it was the Twilight Zone. And you know, sometimes the Twilight Zone gives you things that you may not necessarily expect. Um, and you know, there's challenges therein. But I, I think we, you know, it it was worthy of watching. So I'm glad that you guys uh, hopefully enjoyed the conversation and you're with us now for this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we had uh, some interesting uh, things to talk about with that. And hopefully you guys enjoyed that um, because, you know, we did our best. <laughs> and I think they did their best as well. Yeah, this, the more I thought about it after, it's like I, I have never been inside my own head like in terms of like constantly like, what am I saying right now? It was like, I, so that's why I apologize during the episode of like, I don't even know if I'm doing this right. So I, I, I have the best of intentions. Like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you want to do right by the subject matter and the content therein. Right. And I was hoping I was trying my best and I think I did. It's just that, you know, that episode was messy. Uh, maybe our conversation was messy. The, the greater conversation should be messy. So Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're past, we're past the encounter. We're past that encounter. And now we're on to, um, season five, episode 32 of the original series of the twilight zone. I guess I should state again, now that we're only like four episodes away from finishing the series, this is a podcast, which you've been watching the twilight zone, the original series in its entirety and chronologically. There you go. So that, that's our, that's our mission statement. Also along the way, if we could find uh, ways for people to fall out of windows and random bad things to happen and news wise, that's our show. Welcome. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in to season five, episode 32, uh, I'd say go, go back. Maybe there's other episodes too, right? So this is uh, Mr. Garrity and the Graves, air date May 8th, 1964. Number one film, The Carpetbaggers. We talked about that previously. Uh, number one song, Can't Buy Me Love by The Beatles. Uh, never heard of them. Those guys. Those guys. They're coming back Ugh. again. Hmm. Yeah, look at that. Uh, so for day and date, I have something the day before for May 7th. Uh, again, the, the, if this is your first time listening to Strange Highways, then you'll be shocked to find out that I found uh, something that involved um, a, a tragedy. So uh, two people were killed by the explosion of a rocket, a demonstration of rocket mail on Hasselkopf Mountain near um, Berlong, West Germany by aeronautical engineer 
Gerard Zucker, the West German government uh, banned civilian rocket launchers after the disaster. So you're going to say, what's rocket mail? It's exactly what it sounds like. I looked up the article about it. They were so th- because people are trying to find faster ways to get physical mail places. They were literally trying to strap like parcels to rockets and send them places. The Pony Express wasn't good enough. Anymore. No, I mean, but <laughs> strap a rocket to a horse and send it going, I guess. But so there was other times that people tried using this type of like targeted mail delivery system. Uh, the, yeah, this uh, ended in disaster. Uh, and that's bad. I, but I now think later, like later on in early internet of like, who didn't have a rocket mail account? Like, was that because it was just available domain or they're like, you know what? We're going to do it right this time. Like, I don't know, but this, this isn't too far off from what they're trying to do with Amazon and everything. And pizza <laughs> delivery. They're even trying to do this with pizza delivery too. I, I mean, I, I saw a hawk attack a drone <laughs> in a video recently. Oh, I was going to say in real life. That's amazing. No, uh, that would have been awesome. No. But no, I saw it. No, just a random like Instagram video. I was like, people need to think about this kind of stuff. These things are going to get attacked in midair by like predators that are bigger than it. And then that's going to fall and hurt somebody. Uh, it's like, Oh, it's like, Oh, I smell this wonderful baked good with, uh, with meat and cheese. Yeah. You know, you know, just fly <laughs> in. Right. Like, but if, if someone wants to develop a, a series of rockets that can deliver tacos to me, I'm okay. I will. Okay. With a rocket taco. That's fine. Oh my, there, yeah. there's something there. Yeah. Oh my just, God. Rocket tacos. Cause oh. even if, even if it breaks apart, I still get most of a taco. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> that it's taco salad. It can, yeah. Right. <laughs> Considering that, majority of like living here in the city of Cleveland and how like the two months leading up to July 4th and the two months after July 4th is constant fireworks season. Just give me some seasoned beef and some cheese and some sauce and just aim it towards me. Like I'll still be mad at all the noise, but I'll never be upset at a taco showing up. Can we get it at the window here too? Yeah, That'd be sure. awesome. This sure. is guys. If you guys want to deliver to the second, second floor window, I uh, like you, I, I'll wave. If you want to send me a, a rocket taco, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like you just hear, or a rocket chalupa. I won't, I won't say no to other, or a rocket Mexican pizza. Because rocket it, nachos. Rocket and, nachos. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I think that's a business plan that we should have. You know, or it has we, a good ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should make a domain and then eventually, you know, we'll make a big anyway. So that's your day and date. I don't know if I have anything for the eighth or anything surrounding. I did not. Okay. So let's just get into uh, the cast and crew here. All right. So uh, to lead us off here, we have a, the director is Ted Post. This is the third Twilight Zone episode he has done. Um, he had done two prior to this. So a world of difference and probe seven over and out so that wasn't too long ago was that season four i believe no 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 season five probe seven we talked about earlier in the okay, season yeah that's the one where um we learned that um apples were called sepulas oh yes that's yes. right oh um so not too long ago we just more recently talked about ted post um he will appear for one more episode this season in this very small amount of time that we have left yeah um but uh for anybody who hasn't listened to those conversations in the past uh, known for a bunch of TV work, 55 episodes of Gunsmoke, Magnum Force, and Paul's favorite, The Baby. Well, I mean, it's everybody's favorite if they've seen The Baby. I, just, I remember we t- every time Ted Post is brought up on the show, I bring up The Baby. Uh, everybody, it's a film that was from, what, 77. It's available on Shudder. At least it was. Uh, go watch it. Sight unseen. Don't watch the trailer. The trailer gives very too much. Very interesting. And it has it has a very Twilight Zone um, zip to it. Like the yeah. end, the ending's a bit of a hammer. Um, yeah, it's a twist, a very big just, twist. It, it like just I'll just say this: if you've not seen the baby, we've talked about it previously. I've made Terry watch it. 
in a theater. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, just you might be like, this is getting weird. It does get weird, but it never really crosses a line of being inappropriate. Um, just bear with it because it's a weird movie. I think it's worthy of watching. And it does. It all comes together. It actually ties up in a pretty tight bow, and it leaves you with like kind of. It's it's a. I love the ending. The ending is a hammer, and it's great. It's yeah. definitely worth the ending. Like that's one of those movies. If you can get if it, through, if it a didn't lot pay of, off, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd make people watch it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not just one of those things that like it's gratuitous or anything like that, and not something that you want to like make somebody suffer through. It's. It's got a good story to it, and the ending really brings it together. And that's yeah. if you can if you can get through like the first weird thirty minutes, the rest of the movie pays off. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, a Ted Post, uh, uh, Probe Seven over and out a world difference, and the baby. Yep. So uh, our writer on this, it, there's two credits here. Mm-hmm. So we have, and you might have to help me with this up uh, this name here, Mike Rod Serling. No. Well, the story. Oh, oh, okay. I think it's Mike Coralogos. Coralogos, yes. Yeah. I, there's nothing else that I could find. Um, well, I have I have some uh, trivia about that later. Okay, right, cool. he's a sports writer that was out in um, I think like Aspen area or something. I'll look. I have it in this book. I have it in uh, the Twilight Zone companion uh, that I reference a lot. There's a whole write up about how Sterling found this and how this guy got a story credit. So we'll talk about that later. So okay, it's his only story credit because he was a newspaper writer as opposed to. A normal what you'd think of like a television literally yeah. literary yeah. Uh, writer yeah. yeah so like you know searching on IMDb I couldn't find any other credits for this gentleman but the teleplay was done by Rod so he he took the story did which, the teleplay which by the way I wanted to make a point here that I know we're getting to the very end of the se- the series and I wanted to make sure that when we get to the last Serling episode that we we do point that out this is not the last one so we still have uh, next week and then I think the fear. Uh, so we have Brain Center Whipples and then the fear. I think those are both Sterling screen, uh, the screenplays or screenplays, but teleplays or whatever. Yeah. So we still have him as a writer to talk about. So Correct. We're, we're, but we're all, we're getting close to the end. So I want to call out when we get to the end of certain things, which there's a big one coming up here in our cast. Yeah. And, and I, I don't really feel like I need to go into who Rod Serling is for this entire, what, what he's created. If this he's, is your first time listening to the series, um, welcome. Yeah. And, uh, Go back to the season one, episode one. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like Rod Serling's a pretty prolific writer and creator of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, driving force. Um, so into our cast we go. Uh, John Den Denner. Den- uh, Denner, I think it's Denner. With yeah, the- John Denner. Uh, he plays uh, Jared Garrity. Mm-hmm. Two other ep- episodes of the Twilight Zone: The Lonely and The Jungle, which you really like. The Jungle. Oh, the Jungle is a great episode. The Lonely is one of my favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone. I think it's season one, episode seven. It's the one with him and um. Oh shoot, uh, the other guy. Uh, anyway, I would be like, oh, you know, the, the 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 guy from Problem Child. That's not what I remember him from. But anyway, it's the one where dinner is a guy that's coming to the this this uh, asteroid to tell the gentleman like, hey. Uh, you're here for life, but we brought you um, a companion. And so what, here's oh, your connection. Yeah, I yeah, love that episode. Here, here's yeah. your connection. John Denner is the person that says this phrase. A robot. That's John Denner. So okay. that's your connection yeah. to the Twilight Zone, to Strange Highways, everything. He's the one that dropped off the robot companion for, uh, is it not Jack Ward, Jack Warden? That might be his name anyway. 
Uh, that's the, the Lonely is a great episode. Yeah, and, I, I, I couldn't remember just by the title alone, but that's a powerful episode, yeah, especially the ending. Oh, of that. it's so good. And The Jungle is a great episode, too. So it was, it was good to see him again. Like when I saw him in this episode, I'm like, I know him. Why do I know him? Like this is his like he he's the lead in, in The Jungle as well. But this is him at his like just chewing the scenery best. I This guy's great. Um, uh, he was in one episode of Hawaiian Eye. Once recognized by Radio Life Magazine as having uh, the entertainment industry's best radio voice, he has a great, like, yeah. I could just listen to this guy talk all day. I love his voice. Maybe not so much for the Western, but like. Oh, he, just in general, like his style and like the things he said, great. Yeah. Uh, uh, 48 episodes of the Doris Day show, too, to add yeah. on top of that. So I want to mention here as well, uh, what was it? Um, he initially went into art after studying at the Grand Central School of Art in New York City. Worked as an animator at Walt Disney Studios in Burbank. So he actually was an animator as well for Disney. That's awesome. Yeah. Just like last time we're going to see him, uh, you, I don't think you could have picked a, like, we're going to, we're going to talk about this episode. I, I, I don't think he was the problem, but I loved like you, he knew what he was in and I loved his presence in this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, next here we have uh Stanley Adams uh, plays Jensen. One other episode of the twilight zone. Uh, Once upon a time. Yeah. That's the Buster Keaton episode with the time helmet. Um, Yeah. And then uh, he was also in Breakfast at Tiffany's and uh, some Batman episodes as well. There we go. So, uh, next, we have J. Pat O'Malley. We more recently talked about this gentleman, but he uh, he plays Gooberman. Gooberman. Gooberman, the town drunk. Um, three episodes of The Twilight Zone. He was in The Chaser, The Fugitive, and The Self-Improvement of Salvador Ross. I think he was the guy in the other hospital bed. That just had like I think you're right. Yeah, I think he just had like the slight yeah, cough. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then he traded off with him. Yeah. Uh, this is his fourth time in the in the series. Yeah. So I just noted his other uh, previous Twilight Zones. I mean, the Chaser is one of my favorite of all time. Yeah. But. Please go go uh, visit the discussion on the Chaser. Great episode. Um, good discussion. Uh, please check him out on there. It's a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next we have uh, Norman Levist. Leave it. Leave it. Uh, he plays Sheriff uh, Gilchrist. Gilchrist. Okay. Yeah. Gilchrist. Gil. Yeah. You know the names I can't read. Um, he was also he was also in the uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Hour uh, and an episode of Adam's Family. Yeah, a lot of TV work. I thought I recognized him. I turns out I didn't. He just I mean he's just one of those character actor faces, right? Yeah. A lot of but Western yeah. stuff too. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, especially for the time, right? But yeah, three episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Hour and four episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And, and just to add on top of all of this, I, I just about every actor in this episode is in like Gunsmoke, uh, which uh, you know our director. Uh, he did a lot of well, Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke ran for. I think it's still going on right now. <laughs> it's I think. still like yeah, right now. Yeah, they're it directing is right it. now. Yeah, it's just yeah. The, the the young La Restless and Gunsmoke have been the longest run show. I, I, I mean, I like, I'm, I'm going to derail the show here for a second. I apologize. I, I maybe I've told the story on the show before previously. When I was in college, uh, one of the one of the editing exercises that we had was um, a, a, we had the dailies from a gun show episode. Okay, uh, Gunsmoke, not gun show. Gunsmoke, yeah, the gun show, a uh, Gunsmoke, and we were supposed to do like edit together a a, um, a fight sequence. Okay, so they gave us like the multiple. Uh, takes and like crowd reactions and everything. So like no matter who was doing this exercise, they had to stare at gun smoke for a while and kind of figure out how they wanted to tell the tale of this fight. And it was just a really fun exercise because you could actually 
make the fight as small, as short, and as long as you wanted to because of the way you're able to cut it. So that was like, I don't know. I have, I, I've not watched a lot of Gunsmoke, but I've edited some of it, like just because of a project, not because I'm an important person. It was a good show, man. I, yeah. I used to watch it with my grandfather, uh, James Arness, uh, who played uh, the thing from another world. So, oh, there you go. He was, a, he was a plant monster. Yeah, he was. And there was, a, was it Clint Eastwood in Gunsmoke? No. Was, what was he in? Was it, there was, he was in, no, he was in a TV show. He was in a TV show, but it wasn't Gunsmoke. Okay, there we go. So. Uh, I, can't, I, I forget what it was, because <laughs> that's not the show. Uh, <laughs> so next here we have Percy Helton. Um, he plays Lapham. Lapham? Yeah, that's La- how it's Lapham. spelled, Lapham. So um, one other episode of Twilight Zone, Mute. Not that great of an episode, but no. it's a, uh, you know, there's an interesting conversation there if you want to go visit that. But uh, he was also in Miracle on 34th Street, the original film, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Rawhide. Sorry, that was a serious clinician was in. I, need, right. I needed to at least get that right. It was not me. It was the internet. So sorry, Terry, you're talking. It failed you. Yes. Um, uh, he was, uh, uh, Mr. Helton was also in uh, Beverly Hillbillies. So. so speaking, you mentioned uh, Percy Helton. I just want to mention because he has a very unique voice. Um, yeah, he, he sounded he sounded like Piglet from like Winnie the Pooh. Like mm-hmm. it's just uh, so Helton returned to acting and singing professionally after his discharge from the army. So I'm talking. I think this is World War II. However, one of his subsequent stage roles, he was required to shout and scream his lines during much of the play. So because of that, it damaged his vocal cords. So he had a very unique voice after. Mm. So. Um, and that, then that change in his voice actually altered his acting career. So I think he was kind of put in a niche because of his voice. So that's why I wanted to mention about Helton. Yeah. Um, I, I remember seeing him in a lot of different series, uh, throughout my, like my youth. Um, so I, yeah. I, I was like, I know I've seen this dude before, but I just can't place him. But, yeah, yeah. So then you mentioned John Mitchum as ace. Is that you talking uh, about? Uh, that's our next year as a, yeah, John Mitchum, okay. uh, is ace. One other episode of the Twilight Zone, the the Rip Van Winkle caper. So, so you would know him uh, as Frank DiGiorgio from the Dirty Harry films, Dirty Harry and Magnum <laughs> Force. Yeah, yeah. Well, that because he he actually Magnum Force was the second Dirty Harry film. Yep. He actually ends up uh, dying in the third one, uh, which was what was the Enforcer Sudden Impact uh, or no Sudden Impact? Yeah. Yeah, so but he was Frank DiGiorgio, which was one of the few um, people that worked with uh, you know Dirty Harry that lived through multiple films because that didn't happen all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember his character arc in that too. So yeah, and he was also in High Plains Drifter. Another he worked with Eastwood a lot. Yeah, and yeah. So, some episodes of Batman. So yeah, and not then, with Eastwood. Uh, not that would have been badass though. <laughs> I would have loved to see you know you know Dirty Harry Batman. I just it just it just been like Squint Man. Like it would have been yeah. That would just, that would have been like the Dark Knights uh, uh, arc of the storyline. Well, but you okay. know, but that would be the only Batman that we know in modern history that would just use a gun. <laughs> like he would, he's like, here's my gadget belt. Boom! Like that's it. You're done. <laughs> Yeah, that only has one function: kill. Yeah, I, um, I am the knight. That's it. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So. Uh, um. So this is gonna be the last credit I'm gonna put up here, uh, Paul. Okay. You might have something else, but Robert McCord as a townsman. Okay, townsman in a black hat. Get it straight. Um, oh. So, thirty second uh, official appearance in the Twilight Zone and last appearance in the series. Oh. So I yeah yeah I think that's important. We need to honor him. I think we need to honor Robert McCord because he's always been the fun guy to watch out for because he's been here for so much, always as like a, like a side actor and like a, an insert guy. 
32 appearances credited. I think we even found like a couple more that he was uncredited in. Dude, I think we're going to find him some more. I think he's going to be, he's going to be like weird hands, gloved hand guy, you know, weird hands. It's like, Hey, weird hands. Like what? Like (laughs) didn't, was, wasn't he like, didn't he just have hands in like one of the episodes? I I just like the idea in game of Thrones. There's a character called cold hands, but there'd be another character called weird hands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Robert record. He just has no, weird long like, fingers. I just, I, well, how about how about can we do this going forward? If we could, if we, um, I know we've talked about what we're doing next, and we'll announce that later. Can we have the Robert McCord Award? If we can find the person that's like that that bit actor that shows up at everything, can we have like the Robert McCord? Like we got to have something honoring him and his uh, his efforts in the Twilight Zone. I I see you on that. I agree with that, um, uh, but I also want to pick out the best. When we uh, encapsulate the whole series, I want to pick out the best Robin McCord appearance. I mean, I have mine already. Oh, it's, it's, oh. because it's the one that like he was the easily most recognizable, and I love I love the character uh, that like I love his listing and the the credits of that episode. So if you want me, yeah, I have it already. Oh, so. okay. Well, but it was just one of those things that like I it's a little bittersweet. Right, yeah. because it's like, oh, this is this guy that was always available. He's Johnny on the spot. Uh, we talked about him being uncredited uh, in um, ninety years without slumber. He was the the double that stood in as um, oh, um, not Keenan Wynn, but his father uh, stood uh, the the gentleman. Yeah, because yeah. it was yeah. the figure. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he had to talk to the himself. ghostly figure. Yeah, so he stood in for that. Uh, and then we also had. Um, we also had him as the uh, the hand model, kind of for the inserts for a kind of stopwatch. So he's shown up a couple other times without credit officially because he actually wasn't on screen, kinda. But yeah, like Robert McCord, like it was always like it was always like that little Easter egg. So Godspeed, Robert McCord. I know you've been gone off this earth a long time, but this this is the last time we'll see you in the Twilight Zone, and it is bittersweet. I, I, I kind of wish you wouldn't have told me that because I was going to keep on looking for him either way. No, no, <laughs> that's, and I, that's no, no, the I hands. Like, no, I feel like I feel like he's the Holy Spirit. We got to always just watch out for Robert McCord. Right? You'll always so, be with yeah, us. Yeah, like that's why I'm saying we need the Robert McCord Award, the the, the you know the Robert Award. I don't know uh, the McCord Award. So there you go. so that's who you have. So I have a couple other people. This, some of this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready for your mind to be blown? All Let's right. go. I well the, <laughs> this, this is this is not going to happen. Patrick O'More as man. Only Twilight Zone episode. He was in Night Gallery. We don't know who he is. John Clift is Lightning Peterson. Only Twilight Zone episode. Also in Hawaii and I. So I want to mention that. Here is the person I think, aside from our lead, that I think has the most importance. And you only see her for a second. Actually, I'll mention her next. Uh, we also have Cosmo Sardo as a resurrected man. Second of two Twilight Zone episodes. He was also in Cavender's Coming. I'm glad he was in this one because Cavender's Coming is not great. So we have Kate Murtaugh. As Zelda Guberman, only Twilight Zone episode. We see her at the very end. We'll talk about why. She and her two sisters were in a comedy musical act in the mid 20s to the 40s that were actually quite popular, right? So in the 40s, uh, she, she, so after all that, like they were kind of, I forget what they were called, but I looked at this whole thing. She had a big history. After that, her, with her comedy act with her sisters, she pursued um, her, her uh, hobby of painting with seriousness. And in 55, her one panel comic, Annie and Fanny was launched in syndication by New York's United Feature Syndicate. So she actually made a comic that was syndicated. Oh, no kidding. And that's not the only thing. Um, we, you and I just had like a two-hour conversation about music. And when I say this, I hopefully this blows your mind. Murtaugh is pictured on the front and back covers of the English rock band Supertramp's 79 album, Breakfast in America. 
she's the lady, the waitress holding up. No kidding. Like, yeah. You know, the album cover I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, so she's supposed to look like the statue of Liberty kind of, and in the background you see like different, like, um, boxes, like, uh, milk cartons and stuff it's supposed to be like the New York skyline. She's the cover of breakfast in America. That's wild, man. So I, she plays a waitress named Libby on the front. So she's supposed to be the Statue of Liberty, and she's holding a tall glass of orange juice and a menu off to the side. So that's like every. I mean, if you know music for a second, the song, the Impossible song, like you've heard it, you may not realize it, but you have. You know, like uh, that's that's one of those albums that just kind of like is burned in like rock history, right? So, and she's the cover art for it. Uh, she was also in Waxwork too. No one's going to talk about that. And in <laughs> and in 1977's The Car, which is a film I've not seen, but I need killer to. Uh, yeah. killer car film. Yeah, uh, uh, awesome looking car in it too. And I think they designed it specifically for that film. Yeah. So there you go. I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh, no shit. She used the cover of uh, Breakfast in America. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought her up. That's awesome. And she broke the left arm of every person in the band of Supertramp six times. <laughs> Little pip squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> you called me what? <laughs> so, so there you go. That's what we got for cast and crew. Cause you said you had nobody else other than uh, Mr. McCord. So let's really take it away. Introducing Mr. Jared Garrity, a gentleman of commerce who in the latter half of the 19th century plied his trade in the wild and woolly hinterlands of the American West. And Mr. Garrity, if one can believe him is a resurrector of the dead which on the face of it certainly sounds like the bull is off the nickel. But to the scoffers amongst you, and you ladies and gentlemen from Missouri, don't laugh this one off entirely, at least until you've seen a sample of Mr. Garrity's wares and an example of his services. The place is Happiness, Arizona, the time about 1890. And you and I have just entered a saloon where the bar whiskey is brewed, bottled, and delivered from the Twilight Zone. Do you, do you know why you shit talk in Missouri? I don't, but I also want to taste that that bourbon and that whiskey from uh, Twilight Zone. Oh, I, I'd hope that'd be <laughs> the, awesome. The, the twist would be like, like you just taste like this doesn't taste like bourbon or whiskey. <laughs> like, and then you're like instantly on your ass. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're in another reality. It's yeah. like what, right? And suddenly you end up in a playset by an overly large girl just you know, laughing at you. That's what would happen. You just drink too much. And you, end up, <laughs> you end up in Centerville. That's what would happen. Um, no, so I, I think the reason he's calling out Missouri because it's the show me state. I think that's why he's calling them out. I'm like, otherwise, I was like, that's oddly specific to be like, hey, other state that's not Arizona, pay attention. It's <laughs> like, why would you do that? Um, anytime I hear that harmonica, I don't trust the episode. Just throw that out there. Well, that, <laughs> like, yeah, that's fair. Because uh, when was the last uh, time we uh, heard harmonica music? Bob, oh, was it was it um, jazz bell? Maybe I don't know, I but it's like, was, I, I think it's probably the same music too. Yeah, it's just. So I like, so to start off with this, I was really excited when I saw this, it was a Western episode. Yeah. I was like, sweet, this could be really cool. Right. Cause, uh, the twilight zones previously, uh, visited the old West with the, with the episode called the grave from season three that had Lee Marvin. That's really a cool episode. I mean, it, it, it's not the best, but there's a lot of cool shit in it. So I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to get like a serious Western episode. And then the music went from like, kind of like, you know, moody to upbeat and happy. I'm like, Oh God, this is going to be a comedy episode, isn't it? And I'm like, God damn it. Like, it's like, you got me twilight zone, you, you know? So, um, this is, we get the music, we get Garrity coming in on his, uh, his, his, you know, he's pulling a wagon with his horse, right? Like we get this, whatever. Right. Um, and then he ends up in happiness, Arizona. Um, everything's named happiness. 
Uh, I also liked that uh, that was happiness undertaking. Yeah, I thought that was that was a funny joke. I like that. Everything's named happiness, and then there's the happiness saloon. And I wrote my notes here. Terry and I would go to a place called the Happiness Saloon because we would. I think so. Yeah. I, as far as that's is, what we're going to call call our recording studio, air quotes from now on, the Happiness the Saloon. Happiness, happiness Saloon. Yeah. Um, the the first saloon I actually gonna I'm gonna open is called the the Barking Squirrel. So the Barking Squirrel. Yeah. Okay. That's I'm, there, I'm not a big joke for that. that. <laughs> like I think that's, I th- is there a story for the barking squirrel? I just feel like that is just one of those things where like you make these weird names up. Like that's when you go to these rural areas and that they have yeah. like the weirdest names for things. And there's squirrels that get pissed off over by my house and they sound like they're barking. <laughs> so I'm just like barking uh, squirrel. I was like that I, sounds great, like a saloon. That's a great name. But I was going to say why not the barking spider because isn't that like another name for a fart? Is like the barking spider? Like, <laughs> I don't know about that, okay. but you can't take my name whoever's thinking about opening a saloon. It's mine. Yeah. I I I've already copyrighted it. Yeah. <laughs> copyrighted it. Yeah. I I did. Um, I, I, yeah. <laughs> maybe not. The barking squirrel. It's going to get nuts in here. All right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my God! Million dollar dreams. We got there you go. it tonight. We're, we're we're quitting the show right now. We're going to open a saloon. It's we're going to have the cowboy doors, no matter like like it's going to be Northeast Ohio and saloon that's, swingers. Like, we're not yeah. going to have yeah. We're going to have those doors, and it's going to it doesn't matter because the inside is going to be like not temperature controlled. So regardless of time of year, like a real saloon, you're going to sweat your nuts off, or <laughs> or you're going to freeze them. <laughs> it's like whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I like how, like, they're already set in a mode here that you see all these signs. It all says happiness. And it's like, okay, cool, cool. And we go into the saloon. No well, one's in there. There's the one sign that even mentions, like, you know, 8,000 people died here or whatever. <laughs> 128. Like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> what? That was a weird sign to have out yeah. there, too, carved. Like, I, Welcome to Happiness, Arizona. A lot of people died here. Yeah. Like, Okay. It was, it was a very strange sign to have there. I, I think we I, should put a picture of that one. I, up. I, well, I do have one. I'm going to oh, put it up on nice. the website, I, on our Facebook. I, I also feel like that's something that an Arizona town would do now, just to be like, welcome to prosperity. Don't cross us. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like ugh. But yeah, that's we get Garrity going into this the saloon like during the daytime, right? And then um, so he talks to, he finds the barkeep. The barkeep uh, is asleep because it's the middle of the day. You know, yeah, um, Jensen. Yeah, Jen, yeah, Jensen. He's talking to him, and then he asks, he asks, like, so Garrity asked for a beer. He's banging on the counter with dimes too. Yeah, like, I'm right. like, well, that's a way to wake up a dude. Um, can I point out like how fast the head on that beer disappeared? Did you notice that, uh, dude? I was like, wait, that was like the worst pour ever, and then it turned out to be the best pour. Yeah, ever. no, because it was like ninety percent foam, and then it turned into like eighty percent beer. How did that happen? I don't. I mean, uh, Guinness doesn't do that either. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, think I was that, surprised. That's really Gary's I watched, power. I watched that pour too. I was like, "What is going on with this beer?" I know. I just had to ask you a question. I think that's a single was, shot too. I think like like the, yeah. the way it was shot. I mean, I'm sure that who knows if it was real beer or not, but it's like probably that's just like because I I've never if I've poured a beer that badly, I would get yelled at like automatically. And, and you should. That was like enough. Over half the the cup was foam. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know pissed. why people died. And now I, I also would know why that was only a nickel. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he gets his beer and he's BSing with Jensen about the name of the town and all that stuff. And Jensen said, Oh, you know, it wasn't always called happiness. You know, we've had a bad past. Uh, a lot of people got gunned down here. Well, he said happiness was, it was like the, the name of the town has been that way for about 10 months. Right. He said. So he also said it was called Satan's stage stop, uh, stage stop. Sorry, <clears throat> Satan's Stage Stop, Dead Man's Junction, Boot Hill Village, 
Tuxedo Junction, TJ Maxx. I made up those last two. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I've been to Tuxedo Junction. <laughs> I didn't get gunned down. That's what it feels like to be a hot dog on a stick. Like, why? Why was the name? What? Is, like, it's like this had many different names. You know, like it's just okay. Like. Little Caesars. Like, I, why would you? I don't know. But anyway, I like the idea. It was like, this place is what's called Tuxedo Junction. It's full of dead high school seniors going to prom. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he, he named off all these others. Uh, Man's uh, Warehouse. All right. Anyway. <laughs> all the, <laughs> Burlington Coat Factory. <laughs> You'll look good. I guarantee it. In a grave. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, I'm glad that he listed off all these other names because like, it seems like they kept on trying to uh, reevaluate what the town's approach was and like trying to get people in there. And then we're like, so what ended up happening? It's like, well, we got a good sheriff. Like, so what was going on through those other iterations of this town? Yeah, like who, just, who's getting paid off or whatever? Why Grease would, and palms. Yeah. Why would the bartender just be like, by the way, we have a bloody and terrible history. Please hang out. Like, yeah. ugh. like if you've renamed yourself happiness or, you know, um, Oh, what was, what they call a uh, crystal lake in Friday 13th after? Um, oh, geez. You're going to put me on for, the spot. Forest something, right? Uh, yeah, it's a, it, yeah, you're right. For, forest Glen. That's not right. But it was like, they called it something else, right? Like for you're killing like, me right now, dude. Yeah, anyway, but they, they, it's like, if you renamed crystal lake, then it's like, you renamed it. Cool. Don't talk about the dude that went around killing everybody. It's fine. You know, forest green, forest green. Okay. There you go. I, yeah. I came up. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it's just like, you can't attack me, Bill. Be like, it's like, Oh, by the way, everybody, it's like, it's been 10 months. It's like, you should be called crystal Lake and camp blood. Can I, you know, like, why would, why would you do that? Like, that seems counterintuitive. No, to that, that, and and it's a very fair way to look at it too. Cause uh, towns have tried to rebrand themselves and try to get the, the tourists in there, get the people to actually move into town. And that like, you know, gentrifying in a, in a weird sense, you know? Like, well, I mean, because if you're trying to move on from, like, from what you were. Dark past. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I get it, you know? But it's like. Happiness? Yeah. Hey, yeah. fair enough, right? Happiness. Pleasantville, you Pleasantville. know? Pleasantville. Uh, Lago, if you're watching a High Plains Drifter. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, and so, uh, but the fact that, like, the bartender, like, spilled the beans on everything. But, like, Garrity, Garrity was like, huh? Like, I, I just, again, I, I know we talked about, like, the, the main actor, uh, Ahern. Like, I just. He from the moment he's on the screen, he just commands it. You know, like just um, I I love I I love him. John, sorry, not Aaron Dinner. John Dinner. Yeah. Like I also love how he's dressed because like he has like his suit jacket and his pants are one pattern, but his vest is a completely different pattern. Very very out garish. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like he he's got like, the uh, he's got the watch pocket. You know, nice watch. Everything. But he, none of the patterns match. Like he looks like. He, just, he looks like a shyster from the start. And it's like, you know, if this thing was in color, that suit would come out and punch you in the face. Like, you know, it would. Like, Hell yeah. 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 But the, like the, 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 um, the pattern and just, it, it just kind of, it still strikes you in black and white. And I love the, cause we know we, we're going to find out what he's all about in this outfit just sells it. And I love that he's walking around with confidence in this thing. And you get those little bits of like uh peacocking too, because oh, yeah. he like, as soon as he walks into the saloon, he actually like dusts his coat off too. So you get a little bit more of what his suit looks like too. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's warranted here because he is an outsider. He is the, the guy from out of town and he doesn't sound like all the townsfolk either. No. So and that that's a good representation of who his character is supposed to be. We know from the jump he's the smartest man in the room, and we're shown repeatedly that no one in happiness is smart at all. 
Like this is a town full of goddamn idiots. <laughs> we'll talk about them. Like I, all, my, my, all my notes are this person's an idiot. This person's an idiot. This person's a drunk idiot. Like it was just anyway. So happiness should be called idiot town. Anyway. So the, the bartender Stupidville. tells Stupidville, you know, um, Pittsburgh. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, a friend of the show, uh, uh, Richard. I know you heard that. <laughs> and I will get, I will get feedback later. Like, get him, you know. get him, get him, get him. Get him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> go, go now. You get him. All right. So anyway, so so the bartender tells all this stuff, and then uh, and then that's when Garrity says, "Oh well, I saw that you know a lot of people died here." And the bartender's talking like, "Yeah, it used to be like terrible, like almost like tombstone level like crime all the time." But a new sheriff came in town, got cleaned up. You know, basically made the gallows, made the new prison. Well, yeah, justice was served. A lot of dead people up in like in our cemetery on Boot Hill or whatever, right? And uh, he's like, okay, he's like, well, he's like, well, this seems like a good place for me. And he's like, I offer services, and this is the the first time we get the gag of the bartender holding a drink, and he's like, well, what do you do? He's like, I raise the dead, and the bartender drops the beer, right? And that's when we get Sterling's intro. Um, that's not the that's not the last time we get that gag, right? So. Um, it seems like the town wants to have a little meeting. Um, uh, was it uh, Jensen? Jensen calls like the townsfolk up. Like the the, I I would imagine um, that our one character here of uh, okay, yeah, because we have the, we have the surly intro and then the Lap, break. Lapham Lapham yeah. I he's he sounds almost like the mayor at this point because yeah. he's got a different type of hat. He's a little <laughs> bit more dressed to the nines, yeah. but he seems like a complete fool. No, no, I like you're like he seems in charge because he has a different hat. That's that seems like the hierarchy of this town. It's like oh, you have a top hat. I guess you're the mayor. I, I refer but to them there's all. no clarification. No, here no, no. Like, yeah, you're right. But I, I, I wrote my notes here. I, I, I was like, I was like, well, I wrote it was like one Sterling's talking shit about Missouri. Is what I wrote there. Uh, I hate all the townsfolk. I also wrote the sheriff's an idiot. The top hat man's an idiot. That's what I wrote in my notes. The drunk guy's a drunk idiot. So it's like it's just all of them. Like you get the idea that Lapham's like the leadership, and he hired the sheriff, and then. Like the sheriff is saying things. He's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Cause like Garrity left his wagon outside and they're like, Oh, I think his name's Garrity. It's like, you think like you, mm. you idiots. Like, yeah. They're yeah. going through this deduction of like, Oh, well, you know, it's gotta be Garrity. Um, well, where did he go? Well, he must've left town. It's like, but why well, the, the drunk, the, the drunk, drunk guy's dude. the only guy who's like, Hey, why is the wagon then here? And they're yeah. like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah wait, but like the, again, like Lapham is like, Oh, well, you know, like, well, yeah, he probably did leave town. And then drunk guy says, but why would he leave without his wagon? He's like, well, don't be a fool. Like, you know, that's essentially what he's saying. You get the idea that the the sheriff isn't the brightest, but Lapham's also not bright, but he's trying to prop up his decision to have the sheriff here. Right. You get that notion. He's he's just stroking that ego, too. Yeah, also Lapham sounds like something that you'd have that would require, like, Viagra. Are you suffering from Lapham? Please get this pill anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, yeah um yeah, um, just uh, you know anyway so yeah uh, it's just here whatever we at with the let me th- what one of these how about one of these <laughs> wasn't a great joke i've still that in there so anyway <laughs> yeah there um, <laughs> anyway 
So like, so it's become like, I feel like there's a lot of spinning wheels here with this. Like yeah. the only, the only bit about this that I like at one point is when the sheriff's talking and he's like, they only respect this. And he holds his gun up and he inadvertently points at his own face. He's like, Oh, and he puts it, puts it back down. And he's all, sometimes you gotta use the bean. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, it was like, okay. Like I thought that was a funny bit. Like I just like, I'm not saying that none of, none of this is offensive to me in terms of like comedy from a Twilight Zone episode. I just feel like it's wasted space for what this could have been. And and that's fair. But I also think that this is also like kind of a slap at the the rest of what um like the viewing audience is like really enjoying. Like think about it in this context. Westerns were huge at this time. Yeah. Westerns were really big. So it's kind of poking fun at those people and those characters. Those stereotypes, yeah. Right. Of of the Western, right? But it's like, but in terms of like the Twilight Zone, we've, like I mentioned, The Grave, uh, there's an episode in season two called Dust that's also a Western. Uh, Even Execution, part of it's a Western. Yeah. Like they're like. It's a good one. It it is a good one. It's just that, uh, and even, oh, there's the one. In season three, where it was the actor playing in a Western. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's like the, the Twilight Zones dealt in Western tropes before. Right. Um, and it's like, this is the one, like, man, I, I feel like instead of poking fun, there, there could, this could have been played for like, I mean, it, it's also kind of played for some black comedy, right? But man, like, this is one of those ones where I feel like maybe if you're going to do this at the start, this is when you take the um, tablecloth and pull it immediately right like after like oh you think this is going to be lighthearted and goofy nope but we never like I, I i'm sorry i keep kind of tipping my hand with this episode the ending on this is great and we'll get there when we get there i just feel like it there should have been a little bit more in place for the ending just to be like just a humdinger yeah ending. and i have a note on that yeah, as yeah. well but yeah i don't yeah. know so like these characters are getting treated in the sense that they are too stupid to realize what's going on and they're not trying to really figure out what the situation is by yeah. real deduction. I, I guess that pays off for what happens, I guess, but I still like, I don't know how I feel about that. So throughout this, we realize that the sheriff kind of knows best. So they're going to, they're going to have a drink. <laughs> that, yeah. I like how that, like that, that's how it progresses. Like let's have a drink. And you know, as like, a, like Lapham's like, oh, that's a good deduction. Have a drink of the drunks. Like, thanks. It's like no one included you, sir. Like, <laughs> but I love he's like, wait, there's a round happening. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, game respects game. You right. know, like, <laughs> so that, but that's when Garrity shows up. Right. And that's why I wrote my notes here. I was like, uh, um, whatever. Like Gary talks, Garrity talks to the idiots. <laughs> That's what I wrote here because they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I can raise the dead, which was said earlier already. Right. Well, the sheriff is like, so you say. Yeah. He's like, it's a matter of speaking, right? He's like, no, I can really do this. Uh, There is an interesting moment here, too. And he says, you're Garrity, right? He's like, well, that's a family name. He's like, well, that's what's on the wagon, right? He's like, well, that's the family name. I don't know what the hell that's implying either. I think it's it's a joke. I think he's like, like, he's like, is that your name? He's like, well, it's on the wagon. He's like. He's like, it's a family name. Like, he's like, basically, he's just, he's just messing with them. Right. I think it's just like, like cause he, like, if they're going to ask dumb questions, he's going to get dumb answers. I feel like that's what it is to me. He's, and I, he's playing with all of them. And I guess that's, that, that's reasonable. But at the same point, it's not really answering the question either because nope. like he, you know, he, there is no ID back then either. Nope. So how it was all about like confidence 
and swagger, which when we get to the trivia about the, about the episode, about what the genesis of it, mm. it's a, it's a lot of that too. So I wonder if yeah. it's even his wagon mm. <laughs> yeah. uh. or what was it? We don't even know if his name's Garrity. Like we on If you go, if you want to, if you want to spiral that out, we don't know if he, uh, he, took this as payment for something else does anybody ever call him jared in this either i yeah i don't know that see that's yeah. the thing it's like rod calls him Gar- uh jared uh garrity and i was like but i didn't hear anybody call him by his first name or his name in general well, but i mean if, if the conceit is that um the narrator of the twilight zone knows all then sure right but you're right either way garrity's always he always is acting one step ahead and we realize that he is like multiple steps ahead. Right. And, but, and again, I love uh, dinner's performance here. Like a, as much as I feel like they're spinning wheels here, every time he says something, I'm delighted because he plays it so well. Right. Yeah. So uh, as this conversation is continuing here, all of a sudden we hear some commotion outside and it sounds like a, a dog getting injured or whatever. And as they walk out, they see that um, a stray dog has been hit by a wagon. Uh, and the rider of the wagon says, "Hey, it came out of nowhere. You know, I did. I I didn't see it. And so I was distracted by a barking squirrel or something. It was weird. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I also like before he goes out of the bar, he says it's a, it's a trade secret about how he raises the dead. I like things like ah, I can't tell you guys this little, little homemade secret or whatever. But yeah, yeah so the dog yelps family recipe, family recipe, right? Uh, like roll that wonderful bean footage. Uh, <laughs> so." Um, so they go out and it's like, there's the dog, the dog yelps and they see the dog in the road. And I, and I just want to write, like I wrote my notes for you. It's like, I can see that dog breathing. <laughs> I, yeah. Dog is definitely moving. They could have just taken a still. Why like, did they have to? Of all the times they've used still frames in the series that have not worked well, that would have been the time to use. Yes. It. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Like I, they've done it with dead human beings. Yeah. Oh, like why can't they use it for the dead dog? But I like that when the the the, the guy that ran the wagon, he's like, "Oh, this thing came out of nowhere," and then the sheriff's like, "Accidental animal homicide." It's like, wait, you're going to find him if it was intentional animal homicide? Because it's like, is that what we do in the old west? I'm not saying that. Like, either way, running over an animal and like killing them like accidental or on purpose, you know, like is that ticketable? Like, <laughs> like I don't know, like. Well, you know, like we're still like, existing in a world where you can get fined for just about anything. So, well, but I'm talking back then, it's like, is there some frontier justice for hitting a dog with a wagon? I don't know. Probably like, not. No, but no. The, the, there was no frontier justice as far as like uh, gunning somebody down in the the city limits either. Yeah, it, right. It seemed like yeah. So, <laughs> but I like that the sheriff's like, nah, you know, you you didn't know. It's like he had, he had to be the one to be like, ah, you know, I'm just yeah, no like, no well, harm, no foul. Thank you, sheriff. Dead, you, know, well, you did me a favor. Yeah, you know? like yeah. it's like what? Yeah. <laughs> like it shouldn't have been viewed like that either way <laughs> I just, that was weird He's like, like why is this discussion happening like that part is the most I, nonsensical i wouldn't thing. believe that like if like the drug had run out and got run over by the wagon be like oh it was just accidental uh, alcoholic uh homicide no big deal like all right like 30 seconds wasted of this entire episode like it just it didn't even ha- need happen happiness arizona csi that's what happened yeah <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Play the who. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, please don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so like, so Garrity, like, he sees his opportunity. He's like, Hey everybody, I can bring this dog back. That's clearly breathing. He's but like, he didn't you, say that, but yeah. you can't look, you can't watch. That's the, that's the stipulation here. I could bring this dog back everybody, but you have to turn your head. I, I will, I will give the episode in this time, the time period credit that like, that's something you could tell people and they would believe you. Yeah. Like, don't watch. 
because you can't see the powers that be. But there's no, here's the thing. You're introducing a bunch of people into this scene now that were not in the saloon. Yeah, don't you think they would look? They would look. They would look. Yeah. I, somebody would be peeking behind or whatever. I mean, there's like, what, like 12 people now? Yeah. When we're talking to the people in the saloon, it's like four. So you're introducing all the other, all, all these other people. How are they supposed to believe that uh, Garrity is able to pull this act off? And like, oh, just turn your eyes because, you know, here I am, the stranger. Yeah. Very snake oil salesman kind yeah, of thing. Of course. But I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Right. So so he has everybody turn around. He says this thing. The dog lives. Uh, and then I like that the dog runs the hell out of town. And I wrote in my notes, smart dog. It just it just books it. It's like, it's like thanks for the life. Like it's gone. It is gone. And I like how he like he's talking to his dog like I talk to my dog. He's like dog 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 dog. I'm like like a baby. I mean, you mean something like this? Oh, money for me. Dog, dog, money for me. Money dog for me. Money dog. Yeah, like he's literally saying the words money and dog together. <laughs> uh, spoiler, you might hear that again in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so, it's so nonsensical. Yeah. It's just like. Dog. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's, anyway, he convinces the, the townsfolk that he can, he brought this dog back. You know, um, you know, sometimes dead is better, but not really in mm. this case. So Don't go down that road. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And the dog runs off the deadfall. And so the, the, the townsfolk's like, it's black magic. It's the devil's work. He's like, it's not black magic. It's not the devil's work. It's science. And he's like, also, he's like, tonight at midnight, I'm going to bring all the people back from Boot Hill. He's like, that's what's going to happen. And it's like, I <laughs> I like that everyone's like, oh, <laughs> that's your commercial break. They're like, oh, this guy, the stranger's like, hey, there's 100, 187 people at this great. I'm bringing them back tonight. Everyone's Which, like, oh, great. I feel like it would end up more like the witch. Where like everybody's like, oh, you devil worshippers, yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't think it would work out like this at all. I'm sorry. No, I, I feel <laughs> like I feel like if it was like you know in New England, they would just stone him. Like that, yes. we'd done, we'd be done with this. But yeah, he's he's shown his uh, his ability to resurrect the dead, which you know, like so far in this episode, that's fun. I know we can see the dog breathing, which I understand is a conceit of the time. But the notion is that the dog was brought back. The dog runs away. He's like, I'm bringing your dead back. In happiness, Arizona, that used to be called, um, you know, a ton of dead people hill or whatever it was called, whatever. So that's so then that's when we get to the second Sounds part like of this. Slayer album. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, uh, raining blood of dead people. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, then we get to the second part where it's like the saloon, but it's later in the evening and there's everybody in there, right? Um, and so um, he he says, "Evening, gentlemen," and I wrote my notes, "Evening, idiots." I mean, gentlemen. Uh, so like, there's everybody in this bar. And he's like, then talking about like, oh, I want to bring the dead back. And he even, I think this is the point where he said that after he was done, because someone was like, he was up there for hours at the cemetery, right? Right. And he was like, it's done. He's like, and actually, it's it's actually done early. They were so eager to get out of their graves. He was like watching these like cabs or whatever. It's like coming. Uh, no, he was, said the, the the ground was rustling just like uh, like uh, horses. Something I'm I was just like, there. no, these are dead bodies coming on the ground. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, they were so eager, you know. Anyway, so that's when we find out. Like, he even talks to um, the bartender, and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, he even like specifically mentions his brother because the pa- the painting, Pain, yeah, the picture behind Jensen, yeah. it like looks just like him. He's like, oh, that's your brother there. 
he he got gunned down, didn't he? Uh, you know, in some bar incident. It's like, yep, yeah, he did. He's like, oh, poor soul. And he's like, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's on his way right now, actually. Because he said he was the last person buried, so he's the first person up. Yeah. And then he actually, and so he, he had a limp and everything too, right? And he's like, ah, uh, and you see this real. <laughs> Like hesitant look on Jensen, like, yeah. um, y- yeah, and he's like, oh, by the way, my brother was a piece of shit. Like, yeah. this isn't good. Like, and then he's like, no, he's coming right now, and he's like, you know, you were so happy to have your partner back, and then we find out that there was a bullet to the back of his brother, which is implied that his brother killed him or something. Like right? a, fl- yeah, it was like one of those like uh, stray bullets or whatever. Sure. While something went down in the bar. Yeah. Now at this moment, everybody is outside of the bar looking down the street and you see it's kind of a foggy image, but there is somebody coming down. It's a great moment that's robbed because we'll talk about yeah. that in a second, but it's cool. Cause we see this figure coming right with a limp. limping. And at this point, that's when Jensen's like, great. Uh, can you undo it? And then he's like, no, he's like, what's your cost? He's like, room and board. I just do it for the, the pleasure of being able to bring people back. He's like, well, how much would it cost to not have my brother come back? And he's like, seven fifty or whatever. They, 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 yeah, they, they, they no, he, said, he, said, he said 500. And then Garrity's like, that leaves me a little cold. <laughs> like yeah. how about seven fifty? But I also like that Garrity puts it on Jensen to be like, speak plainly. What do you want? Because he's like he's he's pussyfooting around of like, like you're you're not saying what you want, and if you directly tell me I don't want my brother coming back from the dead, fine, it's going to cost you, right? And he gets seven hundred fifty dollars, which I will believe that at, at this time and that money, which is a lot of goddamn money. I mean, even now, someone's it's like, like what, eighteen ninety or yeah, whatever. If someone it was. even told me now, it's like, hey, you're you know somebody that's passed away that um you don't want to see again. I would have a hard time pulling seven fifty out to make that not happen <laughs> right now. Yeah, I couldn't do uh, it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's probably like what six million dollars or whatever back in old time you money. Uh, I don't how know. much the bullets cost? Because I'm not yeah, probably right? take that mofo like, out. I mean, again. I, we, we've played we played the Oregon Trail. We don't like this is like five trusses and some wagon wheels, right? So, right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Or yokes or whatever, right? It's it's a lot. It's like it's a lot of things. And he gives him seven fifty, and then as the townsfolk are watching, the character that's approaching, the figure that's approaching, vanishes, and that's cool, right? It's a cool moment. Yeah, at first, right. Uh, and so then what we find out that the townsfolk run in and they're like, Oh, so-and-so disappeared. And then Garrity's like, Oh, well, don't worry. The rest of them are coming. And then this becomes this whole thing of like the townspeople that at first were all happy that the idea that their loved ones are coming back, realize the implications of it. And then it becomes like, um, this whole thing of the town of like, Oh, maybe it'd be better if they're dead. Can you keep them that way? And it becomes a series of all of them Pain. negotiating with Garrity because at one point where he tells the one guy, he's like, yeah, it'll be 500. Then the bartender's like, it cost me 750. And the sheriff's like, how dare you? I apologize. <laughs> like, yeah, he like, starts how? shaming yeah, everybody. Yeah. I was like, And then Garrity's like, oh, by the way, Lightning Peterson's coming. Didn't you take him in a fair fight? <laughs> it's like you find out that um, he didn't. He shot the dude in his sleep. You know? And so he doesn't want to have to deal with the repercussions of shooting a man in his sleep. You know? it become, but everybody in this town has a lot of money. And a lot of information, too. Yeah. So um, I'll get to that as well. But, yeah, so everybody starts paying off uh, Garrity here. Uh, he he gets to a point as well, like, where he is just taking a list of names and taking the money. Like, let me know, and I'll work it out. So 
the one the one interesting one is that there's a, a a somewhat attractive woman that comes up and she says, "Oh, my father, you know, he used to whip me, whatever," and he, he like brushes her off, like, "Don't worry about it." So it's like the one moment of like, "I'm not gonna take your money because of that jerk," right? And it's like, yeah. that's fair, but also at the same point, it's like, is it really a, a service that you're rendering here, and how much does it really cost? Yeah. Because you swindled the bartender. And sure. then you took you took the sheriff for twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred. But you took also what was a five hundred from the town drunk. Which how does he have five hundred dollars? Five hundred to not get abused by his, his wife, wife which, again. I, I mean, because he talked about how he got his his left arm broken six times yeah. by her. And, and there was the one woman that was like, "I'm married again," and my my original husband was terrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I just converted because most of the money that he was taking was five out five hundred dollar transactions in eighteen ninety money converted to today five hundred dollars is fourteen thousand nine hundred and twenty eight dollars yeah who has that money just traveling on them you know yeah so um yeah it's to like to make somebody go away again i depending on like what the situation is which all these people have something invested to that um the bartender his brother was a scumbag and he probably wanted to get him out of the, 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 you know, yeah. like get him out of the way. Uh, the, the bad guy who was taking like, you know, the yeah, like people Peterson. out in the yeah. town, yeah. the sheriff is in the right, you know, like everybody has a right, but it's so goofy to me that Garrity knows that. Yeah. But the whole thing is like, I like later after like everybody starts swarming him, he's like, just write down the names, 500, 500, which feels very like much like a televangelist where he's like, no, no, no. Like I'll take care of it. Just as long as you write it down and give me your money, it's going to be taken care of. It's exactly. Yeah. So, so Gary, Gary's around the game. He gets his money. Right. So that's when we, um, he leaves, uh, he's rolling out past the cemetery and his, his wagon. Right. The, the dog comes running back. So the dog's okay. So at least we got that. So that's good. And it's his dog. Yeah, it's called Spot. Uh, so he put, he's like, oh, he did a good job. And then his partner shows up who was dressed as the bartender's brother. Um, and so we find out that the grift is they go to towns that are uh, fairly populated that have lost loved ones. And the grift is they go in and say they can resurrect the dead. And then people freak out because there's guilt and baggage. And then they pay him to not have it happen. Uh, so now they're moving on to, uh, was it uh, Tucson or Phoenix or whatever it was? Tucson. Next. Yeah. Tucson. And his partners want to go first and sniff and he's out He's kind of like the cooler in a sense. And, you know, like he goes in, he figures out what he needs yep. to, and then he relays information. You could tell he soaked the bartender earlier. You get the notion that he got the, the information, right? Right. Which the bartender likes to give out information. <laughs> Clearly. Told, yeah. But then, no like, yeah. two minutes, he. Well, because he used to be a preacher, right? Because we get the whole thing too early. He's like, I, I preach the word. It's like, you want to talk to hear yourself talk. We get it, you know. Um, but so that's all well and good. Um, well, let's just get to the ending and I'll talk about like some of the like there's things that don't make sense. Right. So they're like, oh, good job. Good job. We got a lot of money. You know, whatever. We're moving on to the next town. You're going to go out. You're going to go out in front of me and sniff out like a, a, a person that's dead. That's relative to like your shape and size so that we can run the grift again. And then they leave because they made bank. They made bank in happiness, Arizona, right? And then as they leave, um, which is still one of like, it's still a really great ending to the episode that we see um, the whole Boot Hill Cemetery. We, we, we see like the shaking of like an earthquake and every, like the dead are, are waking up and they're like, oh, Garrity didn't know what he had. 
And now we're coming back to town and we find a couple of the, the specific townsfolk that were talked about how they're coming because they have unfinished business. That's a fun ending. It, it, it's an interesting ending. I, I don't I don't agree that it is a good ending because I think it's completely rushed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't like we literally have 30 seconds left in this episode. And they're like, everybody's getting out from under a blanket. That's <laughs> not mossy, earth moving. Yeah, it's a mossy blanket. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's fair. Um, it's, and, not, it's not six feet. It's not even six inches. It's just a blanket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know. Tattered clothes. No, no, we can't do that. Uh, no, but I like that the brother's like, oh, I'm coming back because I got a lot of drinking to do. And then li- then Lightning, he's like, oh, I got to meet up with the sheriff. And then, uh, you know, Mrs. Gruberman's like, oh, I got to break. I got to break another arm. And then Robert McCord's like, Robert McCord's like, I got to show up in an episode or whatever he does. Right. But it's like, so the, so Boot Hill's coming back to happiness. Happiness is about to become very unhappy. Hmm. And that's kind of a, at least we got like kind of a, like an ending there. Right. Cause if the grift would have been like, Oh, those people, they didn't know better. That would have been okay because of the nature of the way people work. But I at least get, at least we get the twilight zone bit of like, Oh no, Garrity's actually raising the dead just because of his, his power of making people believe it could happen. Somehow's making it work. That's kind of a fun ending. I don't think it's ended, but at least we got a cool visual, right? Like cool enough visual for the, like the twilight zone. I, I think it was oversold. I, I think Fair if enough. we would have had something like, you know, uh, there's this lucky charm that he has, lucky drink, whatever, and then you know he goes over to a, a grave. Yeah. And he's like, "Sorry, folks," because he does that. He he does that too. He's like, "Hey, sorry, I couldn't uh, make everything work out for you guys. Uh, I'll see you later." And he they ride past the graveyard. There should have been something there, um, like a prayer, or something that he says, and then all of a sudden. We go get a close up of one grave, only one grave, and a hand rising. Yeah, up. something that would have like, been a stinger. Oh, that would have been like, oh shit, this is actually working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been enough for me. That would have been fine for me. So that, that, I agree. I just they never explain away why his partner vanishes, right? And it's like when the first time watching the episode, you're like, oh, maybe there's something more going on here. Maybe he actually has this power, and then it's like you find out it's a grift. And there's no good explanation for why his partner vanishes. There's no technology that would make that work. Yeah. Like, you could have given me something of like, you know, oh, there was additional smoke. They didn't see it coming or whatever. Like, you know, it just, it didn't, it didn't deserve the ending. I just thought the ending was fun for what it was. And Um, and that's completely fair. I just feel like they oversold the ending. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for all the rest of it. And it's so rushed, and I, I don't know. Like, I, I left I, w- I left this kind of cold. That's fair. Because of that ending, actually. I, 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 pref- I thought this would be mo- more up your alley because it is kind of more a horror story. And, and I, I asked for zombies. And I, I, at the last episode, I said, I want zombies. I want zombies. And when I got these zombies, I was like, well, that's lame. <laughs> and- can, I, can I please have different zombies? This is, it's like if you order zombies off a of wish. Like that's where yeah, these are wish zombies. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So okay, um, Groupon zombies. Groupon zombies. Uh, do do you have anything like? I mean, I I love I I, I again I just um you know the lead uh Mr. Ahern is it's Aaron right? I always I keep messing up his name. Uh, it is Dehern. Dehern. Why do I keep saying Ahern? There's another guy named Ahern that was in the Twilight Zone. John Denner uh, is Garrity. I I think he's a hoot in this. I like. 
I like his character. He's got charisma. Oh, he has charisma out the just out like pouring out of him. He just chews up the scenes he he's in. I I I like him. And again, he you know maybe this isn't the best best episode for like to to end on you know the three times he's on the series, but he's not the problem with this episode. No, and I, his presence and charisma is great. And watching the second time, he's what carried me through because he's a lot of fun in this because he knows. He knows what he's doing in terms of this episode. Yeah, and he definitely he, he is the salesman here. Like yeah. he he is able to manipulate people. Yeah. So so that was fun. I just wish there had been a better set use of the western setting with this. I think the music kills it too because the music is like hinting at like comedy where you could have played the straight faced and probably had a better outcome with this. Uh, but you're right. I think that um, I maybe. Maybe this is like Serling wrote the teleplay based upon what I'm about to tell you. He could, he had carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to tell the story and he went this direction with it. Um, not, not the best, not the best uh, potential for what the story was. Let's just be honest. So do you have any other notes before I get into some uh, explanation about where the genesis of the story came from? No, give us some knowledge, man. All right. So again, this comes from The Twilight Zone, Unlocking a Door to t- Television Classic by Martin Grahams Jr. An amazing reference book. I keep yeah, please saying pick it, this up, guys. I keep saying it over and over again per every episode, but it's a great book. So here, um, all right. A magazine article by Mike Corologos titled Ulta, Boomtown to Boomtown, caught the attention of Rod Serling, who read the with fascination how the city of Ulta, Utah, was slowly becoming one of America's premier ski resorts. There was uh, one section of the article that fascinated him. About 100 years previous, Alta boasted a number of silver mines, breweries, and saloons, attracting a sizable number of brutal gunslingers, brassy dance hall queens, crooked gamblers, and uh, fevered miners. A stranger wandered into town one afternoon, having learned that over 100 people had been killed and Alta saloon alone, while untold numbers of others had been killed in the streets, shootouts, and mining accidents. The stranger proposed an unholy proposition. He claimed that he had the power to resurrect the dead uh, and, and intended to bring back to life all the loved ones who had been too soon con- um, too soon committed to the hereafter. The man who claimed to possess Christ-like powers was really a con artist. So <laughs> he kept telling people, I can do this. So what happened was eventually the townsfolk took up a collection of $2,500 and presented it to the stranger, hoping he'd leave town. So that actually happened. He soaked this town for twenty five hundred dollars and being like, "Oh, I see. There's so many dead people. I could do this." They're like, "Please don't." And they paid him, and he left. And it ended up in um, a part of a story. This guy, this uh, the gentleman wrote this was a sports writer. A sport. Uh, he is a reporter. And he ended up including the story as part of this town. And Rod thought that was interesting. So he reached out. He's like, "Can we get the rights to this?" So he, he bought the rights. Was fascinated by it. And then so uh, there was also so this gentleman also pitched a couple other ideas to the, the, the Twilight Zone, but, but since it was being, it didn't get renewed. They didn't do anything with it. So also there's a story here about how his family was excited that he wrote a story for the Twilight Zone that they watched it that night, but they said that his name flashed so fast on the screen that no one like really caught it because it's the very beginning that everyone was kind of let down, and then they hoped to watch the episode again, but because it was broadcast and you can't record things back then. It was kind of like a, oh, yay. Oh, that's over now type of mm. moment. <laughs> like, And then you're bragging to people later, like, you see my name Yeah, Le- last night on a program that you probably don't watch? So <laughs> further on after that, though, I, what is it? Um, 
here's here's gone. So he actually ended up making what was it like five hundred bucks for that versus like the ninety dollars a week he would make as a reporter at the time. Uh, so uh, later on, he never got a copy of it, but uh, it turns out one of the, one of the members of the Utah Jazz was a big Twilight Zone fan. Later, no kidding, and ended up finding out that this guy actually wrote an episode, and because he's a sports writer. Uh, that he, this gentleman was like, can I meet you? And I actually asked questions about, was it Carl Malone? It wasn't Carl Malone. No. Uh, but so what happened was he's like, yeah, I did. It was pretty great. He's like, you know, I, he's like, you know, I don't have a copy of it. And the guy's like, I do. Would you like a copy? So it was a Utah jazz player that like made a copy of a copy to give him a copy of the episode. But because there was an NBA player, like I love the twilight zone. Can we talk? That's like, awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's so, really cool. Yeah. So there you go. So that's why you, don't have anything else from this gentleman because this wasn't his um, purview in terms of like output though. He did try to pitch other ideas. It just didn't happen at that time, but he didn't make this story up though. No, no. He just actually did the research and wrote it and was published because of the, because he published the history of this. I think because it was a story that he actually submitted that that's what was able to sign the contract. Like, can I pay you for this information? Okay. So he got paid like 500 bucks, which was like a godsend at the time. What um, is that in today's money? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> no, that's so, awesome. Uh, though. Yeah, so he he I would was take paid that. the money to make a dead one go away. Um, but yeah, I think that was kind of interesting that there's actually like a reason why you've never heard of this guy again in terms of like TV and movies. But you know, that's cool. That's we talked about previously about how Serling, if he found things of interest that were not necessarily within the bounds of like normal screenwriting, he would pay for it. And this was one of them. That's like he always kept like an eye and ear out for cool things. And, and yeah. there's good reason to that. I mean, he was so strapped for timing, too, because, you know, he was a family man at that point, too. Well, this this feels like this would be a way cooler episode of Tales from the Crypt. Hell yeah, it would. Yeah. You know, no, that, I, I was actually thinking that while we were getting closer to the ending of this. I'm like, why does this feel like so much closer to like EC Comics? Yeah, and it could have been. And it still kind of is, you know, but it feels like EC Comics light. Yeah. Um, it's like it makes me wonder what like what like Charles Beaumont is prime would have done with this. Yeah. He would, yeah. He would have made it goopy and interesting, right? Dude, like, that would have been awesome. Just, he would have been, I think he would have been of the stable of Sterling writers. The one that would have taken it the, the weirdest way. Yeah. Right? The extra like, oh, would have been cool. Like this, this is not a bad episode. It just, it leaves you wanting. And because you have the suspension of disbelief and it's not paid off. Um, but it was fun to get a supernatural episode again of the twilight zone. I know we're, we're in the home stretch. Um, and not that the last episode wasn't supernatural because you had a talking sword, whatever, but like this feels much more in, at home with the twilight zone in a lot of ways. I just, this could have been like, th- this could have been one of the ones, you know, one of like the, if you, if it had been handled right, this would have been one that people would have been talking about still. Right. And yeah. no one talks about it. And so. this is like a uh, phantasm light in a sense, because you've never seen phantasm, but um, like this guy, this- <laughs> I mean, way to call me out. Oh. Right, anyway, no, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. You need to watch Phantasm. I know too. I mean, now that it's available on Prime, like all, I think even Phantasm Two, which was like the one that had the biggest problems with like distribution. Well, Phantasm Two had the biggest budget, and that was released by Universal. Yeah, so I think that's all available now. That's neither here nor there. But yeah, I need. I want to run the series. So I just wanted to make sure I had access to the series. So D- either way, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Don Cascarelli, if you're listening, thank you. Um, <laughs> but no, like this, this seems He's one very- of our seven listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like it's very like close to it in a sense that like this guy is going from town to town and he is resurrecting the dead like this he has his power he does like mm-hmm. he he's manipulating the people on that 
that that seems tangentially close to that. If you watch the movie, you'll get it. But I mean, I know it's not that close, but it's like when well, I'm watching this, when I was watching this episode, I'm like, why does this sound so familiar? And I was like, oh, because of. Oh, there, you know, what was the name? Of the, there was that movie that Steve Martin was in where he played a televangelist that ran around um, like uh, and he was promising to bring rain. Um, and it's like he's, he was he, he knew he was a fake televangelist. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not like that's not that far away where he made his his bones like going from town to town and telling people like I can do this you know and then he get the money tell them just believe and then move on right so yeah like, there's de- well there's definitely a lot well Lady Killers was like that as well I believe uh, was that the Tom Hanks film yeah um so like the, the televangelists uh, people that just have the gift of gab are able to do this and like this is. I, you know, like there's a lot of cult leaders like uh, this too. <laughs> Le- Leap of Faith was the Steve Martin film, but yeah, it's like the cult leaders, televangelists, where like snake oil salesmen, like yep. it's just <laughs> they're all the same. You can you, you, mani- you manipulate uh, the the weak minded. You, you, uh, you give them something to latch onto that's plausible, and then shut up and take the money. You know, right. like that, and that's what you get the idea that Garrity, this is his grift. He knows, and he also knows that happiness has a really dark past that no one wants to. Like, you know, bring back and he can use that as leverage to get money out of them. And that's that's kind of where I was like hoping it would go for the twist here, and which we haven't gotten to the well, uh, twist we, let, rating. Yeah, let's just, let, you want to write the twist? Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Let's do it. I'm going to say that it's a one, okay. honestly. It, it's a one for me because I was expecting that it would turn around on uh, on Garrity. Yeah. And that he somehow was going to get like his his due. But the fact that he was able to ride into the next town, I was like, well, I didn't expect that at all. But like the like, I don't know, like the, the townsfolk actually rising from the grave. There is that different twist there. And I was like, maybe that's a four. I don't, maybe, I don't but, know. There's a couple twists here. I the guess. episode's called Mystery in the Graves. He says he can resurrect the dead. Like the fact that the dead actually show up. Yeah, I mean, so we read the twist one to five, like one being like nothing and five being like mind blowing. Um, I didn't actually like a last these last couple episodes. I don't really get to the twist rating until you and I talk about it because I don't know how I feel about things. Right. Um, I guess the notion that like he is running a grift, which is very obvious and that he doesn't know that his grift is actually real. I'll give that a three because I didn't see that coming because you mentioned him getting his comeuppance, which would make very much sense to me, especially if this tells from the crypt, like he, you know, he'd get punished in that regard, but he's moving on and realizes that like, he doesn't even know that he's actually raising the dead. I'll give that a three because I thought that was interesting because he got away with his money. He got his dog, he got his buddy. And then the dad was like, thanks. Like I didn't, I didn't see that coming where, it was win-win for Garrity and the dead people. <laughs> but, you know, like, and it comes to that uh, scenario, too. Like, I, I have to be a little bit more disappointed because I don't, we don't see any of his process. There's no nope. process involved at all. Well, we turned our backs to it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Can't look. That's fair. But. All right. So I, I think that's going to do it for a discussion about Mr. Gary and the Graves. Uh, perfectly okay episode. It definitely has some problems. Uh, but being that we're now in like the last few episodes of the Twilight Zone, I guess at this point I'll take a, a soft landing with like good lead acting as it put. I, I just don't want us to like land the plane and not have any landing gear and just crash out. 
Like I need somebody in the tail, the tail belly, like the, the, sorry, the belly gunner drawing wheels for us to land the safely. That's what I need. And these are, these are the animated wheels. Yeah. I'm calling back to our basic stories episode. I need, and we need to land the plane. Come on, please let us land the plane. That's all I'm asking for. We have like what four to go. Please land the plane. <laughs> you know, like, and we got no more Robert McCord here, so it's no, like, oh, he can, like he can't, be, he can't, be kind to yeah, us, Twilight yeah, Zone. <laughs> yeah, he, can't, he can't be there to steady the ship, you know, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, that's going to do our discussion about Mister Gary in the Graves. You guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, we'll definitely post an image of the Happiness Arizona sign and the Happiness Undertaking sign. I, I almost posted that on my Facebook myself because I thought it was a funny thing. But anyway. Find us there. Email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the current season. Let us know your favorite and uh, worst episodes because we're getting really, really close to the end here. We're going to have a season wrap-up. Let us know. It'd be great. Also, wherever you get your podcast, read and review us. It'd be really great. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? Instagram. We are on Instagram. I don't know if you know about this, Paul, but uh, we're posting. We're on Rocket Mail. Rocket Mail and uh, Rocket Tacos. We're um, also on Rocket Mail, M-A-L-E. It's way different, but just check it out. Uh, check us out when you go over to, uh, you know, uh, Instagram and uh, the Barking Squirrel. Um, no, I had a friend of mine in college that said to me in all earnestness, she's like, when you're checking into Hotmail, she's like, make sure you spell it right. Because she spelled it. Oh, M-A-L-E. oh no. <laughs> She didn't. She didn't think about it. I was just like, "Oh no!" This was like back in like, <laughs> like before two thousand. I have no the, idea. The right my yeah, like hotmail.com. You know, it was like yeah. Anyway, so like yeah. anyway, like I the barking squirrel might be something that might be something on Urban Dictionary. We have no idea what that means. So anyway. perhaps, but yeah, on Instagram, check us out on there. Give us a follow. Give give us a, whatever they do on there. I, you know what? What is it? Likes? Is it is sharing? It, is it Grammans? Do, do, give, give me, give us some Grammans. Do the thing. Um, but you know, uh, we'd love to see your input on that. Um, like Paul says, please give, give us a review. Um, share this information with people. Cause we're not, we're not going to stop. This train is going to go until, you know, the wheels fall off. Cause we're going to go past this, epi- uh, this series and we're going to go into the eighties and we're going to go into all these other like little detours that we talk about. We have a lot of fun with this. We don't get paid for this guys. We love to be doing this we, for you we, guys. We pay for you guys. Let's just be quite honest. literally. Um, we I, I we watch. For, we watch some bad episodes. Yeah, I, I pay. I pay physically for our hosting. I've bought uh, equipment. Uh, I I pay for Terry's time because we're not friends, but he pretends to be. I'm guest week. hosting yeah, again yeah. next week. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like the girlfriend experience. Like meaning like, you know, I, you know, Terry comes at a premium and right. I have to, I have to pay for it. Like, I don't even know his last name. It's weird. <laughs> we, we love what we do. I don't guys. think Terry's his real name. <laughs> Sometimes Sa- um, the safe world is barking squirrel. Um, but uh, yeah, we love what we do guys. And uh, hopefully you will, uh, you enjoy it as well as we love doing this um, and give us some feedback and uh, either way we'll be here. <laughs> we're yeah, going to be gonna here. Keep going. We're going to keep going. Also, uh, I want to recommend uh, if you guys are interested in other, other horror and uh, other content, check out at the devil's ball. They just had a whole month where they talked about it. The Stephen King series. They covered the two parts of the original ABC miniseries. And then they covered the two parts of the films. Uh, like that's a lot of it. 
Good that, shit, that, man. That, I'm actually re-listening to the book right now. Okay. I'm in the middle of it. I have 20 more hours to go. So uh, thank you at the 20, Devil's 20 Ball. 20 hours of 7,000 for that, that audio book, I'm sure. 44. You know? 44. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of narrated hours. by Stephen Weber. So uh, check Steven it out. Weber, you mean Jack Torrance, the second one? Yep. Yeah, from uh, <laughs> Wings. From for Stephen Weber of Wings and the other Jack Torrance yeah. from uh, yeah. No, but they've been covering. They've been doing a whole it. It's been uh, it's an it's summer over there. It, it, check it out. You know, it, it's the place to be. So check out at the Devil's Ball if you guys wanted more horror conversations. So uh, yeah, um, but. Uh, enough about plugging other things. Uh, we should get into what we're doing next. The next episode we have here is the Brain Center Whipples. Let Serling uh, tease it. And now, Mr. Serling. The subject next time is automation. Our area of concern, the replacement of men by machines. It happens to be not only a current industrial phenomenon, but potentially a sizable can of peas that once opened carries with it some very special story material. On the Twilight Zone next time, we open that can of peas and present a battle between the men and the machines. Richard Deacon and Paul Newland star in The Brain Center at Whipple's. I, here's hoping. <laughs> you know, we, we've covered from Agnes with Love this wow. season. Here's hoping. And, but we also know that covering the Jordan Peele-produced Twilight Zone, uh, the Whipple thing has been teased multiple times in terms of the Whipple technologies. So maybe this is a fun episode, enough to keep call, doing a callback. I don't know. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, Richard Donner, the late Richard Donner. We just Last lost. episode, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I, here's to open, man. Uh, but the Sterling script, it sounds like a comedy one. Um, we'll see how that goes. Ugh. Anyway, so next week's going to be the Brain Center at Whipples. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. I realize that every time I end every episode, I say, have a good week, have a safe week. I you know that's not like, that's not a cool way to end it, but God damn, it's like, we've, it's been a, it's been a rough couple of years. I say, have a safe week. I honestly I have a safe week. Be careful. Have a safe week. Damn straight. Uh, yeah, just uh, be safe, guys. And, uh, you know, uh, don't play with the dead. Yeah, right. And then also, like, if uh, if uh, Mr. Garrity shows up, don't give him $500. Like, see see what he can do for 20 